I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Valerie. And today it's just us because this was not a, a movie that mom would have wanted to watch. So she will be back next time. But this one was a little too spoopy for her. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was definitely really gory, and I'm sure she wouldn't have enjoyed it. I don't think so. <laughs> um, who wants to do a spoiler-free plot synopsis? Are you supposed to say this is how's it hold up? I don't know how we do this podcast anymore. All right, I'll go for it since I spoke. Let's see. Saya, who is a girl with a sword... Seems to be working for an organization that hunts creatures, vampires. We start off the film with her murdering what see what she suspects to be a vampire or um, a, a monster of some sort. I don't. Yeah, they're... they say like demon. Uh, they say demon a few times. Anyway, so after she kills the this assumed creature that we saw uh she gets another assignment from a a guy in a suit uh an american i'm assuming in a suit to hunt what they suspect to be two multiple creatures uh i'm not sure they tell you where so then cut to this um it's mentioned that she'll she'll have to wear a schoolgirl uniform or something or sailor outfit i think is uh how they say it and uh she cut to a school uh, where she, her, her, her handler organizes it with the principal that she will be attending some classes there. Uh, and so they suspect, uh, there, there is some creature there. Uh, we had seen earlier in the film that there was, uh, somebody had committed suicide. Uh, and we learned that this, this is a mili- an, an American military base. When she had gotten to the school, she had run into a nurse. And so we hear about, uh, not just the suicide that happened, but apparently the the students had lost a friend as well. Uh, so there's like death around this area, and it seems to be related to these creatures. So yeah, Saya is is looking to hunt the these these creatures that are stalking or or feeding at, at the base. Yeah. Without spoilers, how'd you feel about this movie? For for a thriller sort of film, I think it was successful at, at like creating the mood and, and things being like spooky and all of that. But there are quite a few choices that I thought were not great. Um, uh-huh. The voice acting was a bit woody, too. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And I definitely have more words to say on that. But agreed. Um, so, yeah, this actually was um, mostly in English. And I thought that I'm like, uh, is there not like an original Japanese like this? And this is like a doublet. And Danica was like, no, this is how it was made. So, so if this is what was the original, I would say at least for the English, I could tell it was a bit woody a lot of the time. So, so that was pulled me out sometimes. Uh, and we'll talk. There's a, quite a few things to talk about and how's it hold up. It's a lot of. I would I would say a lot of the things in the How's It Hold Up are less obvious than some other stuff we've watched. There's just sort of 
some implications and ways that some characters are treated that is worth talking about. Yeah. It was it was short which sounds terrible. At least it was short. <laughs> uh but but I guess there was less op- less opportunities to have more. Yeah, it was it was a concise work and I don't think yeah, that it needed good. to be longer than it was. I think the length that was was perfectly fine. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It, it. Yeah, it feels like if it had been any longer, it would have been padding that that's unnecessary. Like I don't think we needed more scenes of like these characters talking to each other or anything. Like I, you you get it. Yeah, and I guess the other part is like I could tell it was trying to say something, but I don't know if I had the full context to get what it was saying. So it wanted, it made me want to look up more around it to see like why, not just the choices that we're going to like talk about and how's it hold up, but just some, some choices about like, oh, this is. this theming and stuff. This setting is meaningful. Yeah. Like what, what is it trying to say? I am curious about that. So I'm not sure. I don't know. I guess we can talk about it more to, to get, a better beat on how I feel about it. Yeah, I think I similarly have mixed feelings. I tend toward thinking that I would probably recommend it at least to a certain audience, um, but not like super strongly. It's it's certainly no, it's certainly no Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust where like we watched it and was like, oh, this is a good movie. Yeah, like it's it's very interesting. There are things I like about it, but it's. Yeah, I'm not sure how well it comes together ultimately. We'll we'll discuss it. Let's get specific. By which I mean, let me tell you some fun facts and then we'll get specific. <laughs> Maybe this should be the intro. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, Production IG's president, Mitsuhisa Ishikawa, wanted to produce a new project that was an original concept rather than being an adaptation of an existing anime or manga series. He approached Mamoru Oshii, who you might know as director of Ghost in the Shell, um, who ran a series of lectures for teaching new filmmakers how to create their own projects uh, about his idea and asked him to have his students submit ideas for original works. The submissions of Kenji Kamiyama and Junichi Fujisaki became the basis for the upcoming film, A Girl in a Sailor Suit Wielding a Samurai Sword. Mm -hmm. And given that that seems to have been the base idea, I'm glad it didn't turn out how that description of a main idea would insinuate in my head, which is much more original Vampire Hunter D than Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, let's say. Um, She was in a sailor suit for most of the movie, but it didn't feel weird or sexualized. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Ishikawa suggested Yokota Air Base for the film setting, referring to it as the state of California within Japan. Did you have other insights into why they chose the base? Yeah, so like I said, I was curious as to why why it was set there and and so i ran across this article that i had to register for <laughs> on uh, i don't know how if colloquially how it's referred but jstor uh and it's called the u.s japan security alliance and blood the blood the last vampire wait it does say lost but it, it does say last. lost mm. that thing does say lost but it is last <laughs> Yes. Okay. This was just a transcription. This has. So yeah. Uh, so JSTOR um, called the U.S. 
Japan Security Alliance and Blood the Last Vampire. So yeah, this is talking about how kind of the big, the theming of the story is is more on the ambiguity of the relationship between the U.S. and Japan in relation to that, um, the Security Alliance. And so um, this this article is by Neil Baker. Uh, and so I'm paraphrasing because I can't find it right now. Uh, it's, but it said something, one of the writers said that that Japan is an island nation, and and so it's essentially borderless, or it there's not really a lot of borders. Uh, but the the fencing between the U.S. airbase and Japan is like the closest thing to borders, and and there's a tension there uh, that they uh, are using in the film. Yeah. Also, in directing the film, Hiroyuki Kitakubo notes that his having read Dracula and watched the American television series Buffy the Vampire Slayer may have had some influence on the film. There's some people consider it noteworthy um, that Production IG was the first company to film um, an anime movie almost entirely in English with Japanese subtitles, feeling that it would help the film reach foreign markets more easily. That's my all my notes for now. Do we want to actually get specific? Okay. What specifically what? Uh had a very moody opening, very tone setting. For sure. Uh not a lot of pretty much no dialogue at the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh just animation, sound effects, not a whole lot in the way of music that I recall. Um and and just moody lighting and stuff like that and as she can- gets on a a subway a rail and and it goes and there's in the car that she's in it's just her and like this one other guy um mm-hmm. who she ends up killing yeah i liked i and they they do a really good job of building up that tension like you're like okay it's just these two people he looks like he's sleeping but then after a second you see him kind of open up one eye towards her yeah and then when she starts, like, running after him and he starts freaking out, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And then after that, once the once it gets to another stop or whatever, uh, we meet David and uh, Lewis, Lewis who, who she's apparently working with or for. Um, and I, I think we can just talk about it because it doesn't come up again in the movie. But you found it very sus of David that this guy who Saya killed doesn't turn into a creepy monster corpse, which is what Lewis seems to think should happen. Yeah. Um. And but David just insists that uh, it's just taking a bit to do that. Yeah. And and that doesn't really come up again. And I'm very cu- like. I'm very curious what the implications of this are or aren't supposed to be. Yeah, so he says some David says something like, well, I don't know if it's in reference to this guy, uh, but but during the conversation with him and Saya, he says something like, um, the organization like orders are orders, uh, and so there is a sense of just do what they say, don't question, and and that if this guy was just a guy and not a creature makes me kind of concerned about how much are they using her to, uh, just enforce, kill people they want dead. Yeah. Enforce their will. Yeah. If they slip in, like maybe this guy 
I don't know, that maybe this guy had a job in a certain position and they want somebody else in that position yeah, to right. clear him out. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really come up and doesn't seem to ultimately be a major point in this film, but it's it's interesting, the possible implications there. I feel like ultimately the the film makes it pretty clear that David is, is on her side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure that any ill intent with killing this man is necessarily David's intent, but like, he's very much of like, like you said, we do what they tell us to do. So whoever it is, that's telling them what to do. Maybe some sus motives. I don't know. Yeah. And so reading back this, this one article, cause I'm so smart. <laughs> no, the, the one article does talk about kind of like the ambiguity in the relationship between us and Japan and that, the organization also kind of living living within that ambiguity. And I think yeah. this this would be another thing that kind of hits to that of we don't know a lot about their motives. Like they seem, hey, we want to get rid of these monsters. And that seems good to us. But if we're not questioning or we're not holding somebody accountable what what could they do under under the name of the organization yeah definitely uh but yeah that was that was super concerning that that that's what it starts with and that's how they're introduced of like hey this might not be a creature and like we and never see it off. turn so it's ne- there's never any confirmation one way or the other for sure and honestly although you, and later in the film you do see a person get killed and pretty quickly they turn into the the corpse turns into a monster. So like nothing's for sure confirmed, but that sure like only makes this scene more suspicious that he took he if he was was taking a while to transform. It sure was taking a while. Like and honestly, the body reveal initially is the man is crushed between two cars, and. Yeah, like he's like disfigured because like he's he's squished in there, and it's reminiscent of another scene where we see another body kind of crushed in an un uh, unnatural position, and I wonder if that too is kind of like a visual parallel to say like this that is similarly these this guy is a human. Yeah, like he wouldn't be able to be crushed so easy if Not he necess- was a big monster. No, no, just visual metaphor. Yeah, I of, get you. Of just a callback to this is similar, like, yeah. It was yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> one, of, one of the quotes, so I'm hopping forward to when Saya gets to the school. She has finished one of the classes and the, and the teacher is talking to the students about like, Tomorrow is just morning classes because the Halloween party is is later. And then there's a girl tries to talk to Saya, uh, saying like, "Oh, are you Japanese? Konnichiwa." And Saya's like, "Leave me alone!" Or like, but she says that in English. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like this, she made sure to learn this English phrase for sure. But she seems to be pretty. No, she easily, can speak in English. Yeah, yeah she seems like to in be, the beginning, she can. That's right. Talk she was with talking David. with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but she, no, she. She yeah. like, want to make sure you understand this. Yeah, she's like, don't talk to me, leave me alone. And the girl's like, weirdo. But all while they're talking, the teacher is saying some stuff. And the only thing that I caught was something like, old pumpkin head will get ya. <laughs> like, if the kids don't do something correct yeah, yeah. or, like, follow things. And I'm like, 
who the heck is this pumpkin head? Who knows? Like, what are you talking about? Uh, so that was really funny. <laughs> Uh, also that girl's name is Sharon and her friend is Linda. And I was like, wow, old people names. And I don't know if that's supposed to be, I think it's just a man. I don't know if that's supposed to be part of the implication, but it's probably Mm. not. It's probably just, we looked and found these American names. Probably. But it does kind of work as implication because both of those girls are nightmare monster things, but Yeah, oh, so right before they kind of get revealed as nightmare monster things, uh, the the two girls are in the nurse's office because one of them feels bad because of her anemia or something. Which I assume that the implication is that she hasn't had blood recently, like, because they feed on blood. Yeah. Yeah. And and while the nurse is like, oh, you know, don't you want to be at the, the party? Like, this must not be fun. The girls start, like, Ugh. they cut to their lips just moving uh, and assuming that they're saying something to each other that the nurse can't hear. And While that- her back is, like, turned, so she doesn't see their lips flapping. Yeah. And it's, it's very unnerving. They do a really good job of making that creepy. Yeah. Let's see. The creature designs on, on the monsters are really fun, too. For sure. They've got, like, these really elongated, like, jaws that, like, kind of stretch out their face. It's real creepy. hmm Yeah, so, um, of course these, these guys get revealed as monsters, one of them gets killed, one of them gets hurt, and then she runs away. And Saya's sword gets broken, so Saya doesn't immediately go after her. Right. Because she needs to get a weapon. So uh, so the creature's able to get away, trailing blood, and the nurse, who should just, like, Saya was like, forget you saw this, and she just should have. But she follows the trail of blood to find Sharon, and it definitely seems like uh, kind of the initial thing is like this student is hurt, yeah. Uh, or or maybe it's like I you know I can't leave this alone. Not sure. Yeah, I think I feel like it's more the student is hurt thing at first because she shouts Sharon's name and stuff. I think she's still like having trouble believing that these are monsters, despite seeing that one turned into one after it was killed. Yeah, yeah, I can get that. Um, so she follows the blood. It, it uh, leads into the Halloween party. So she, uh, I, I think this, this like framing and stuff was really good of her focusing on the blood, but there are like lots of other people partying and stuff. And so just the kind of contrast of her like focused and, and, and so she's following it and some dude jumps out. Uh, from the crowd in like a, a vampire costume and is like rah and he does it for like a, a good long while yeah. just like yelling at her to to spook her and she she has like no reaction yeah she's like hey Ted have you seen Sharon or something like that <laughs> and Ben and I were both like Ted yeah mm. <laughs> uh yeah that's you weird. Ted come on again he probably thinks he's so funny too. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. He's probably like, oh, she looks like she's not having fun. Like, let's be uh, fun by yelling at her face. Ted, I hate you, Ted. Um, But yeah, then she's just like, oh, hey, Ted. And, yeah. and like, uh, have you seen her? He's like, no. Or like, I forget what she asked the question. He just answers it directly. And it's like, you're not funny, Ted. Go away. <laughs> no one likes you, Ted. So yeah, like at the party... The intensity kind of starts whenever the monsters are revealed, but then especially at the party because she finds Sharon hurt, 
total monster form, but Sharon's covered in like a, a poster or something. And so Sharon takes the the nurse and runs off with her. And so then we're... Sai is briefly there too and like tries to attack the monster, but the sword that she got from a shop just like bends. It's not a very good sword. So she just gets kicked out the door. Yeah. And like the people at the party are just not faced. Nope. They're Um, probably all real drunk. Possibly. uh, It seemed like it was mostly adults in this room earlier in the... There earlier seemed to be some implication that there were some children around, yeah. um, but by that in in that room, it seemed to just be adults. Yeah, or maybe, I mean, maybe some of them were teens. I don't know. Ted didn't wasn't a teen. And, I'm assuming uh, Ted was a teacher. Yeah, but but yeah. So like the nurse gets taken, and it seems not always like like a fast paced, but but it it kind of pushes, and then it does the horror thing where you're like stopping. Or, or there's, like, moments of quiet, but, like, full of, of tension. Um, yeah. Any is, any specific characters otherwise? No, I mean, I think the nurse is interesting, but I think... I don't, I don't think we can really fully discuss her until spoilers, so... Right. Yeah, for, for most of the movie, she's just very in over her head. <laughs> yes, yeah, and doing things where it's like, why didn't you just run? Why didn't you just forget about it? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Let's go on to voice acting, which I'd really just have one note on, which is that the English voice acting is interesting. It's it's kind of stilted overall, yeah. varying in how stilted it is by the character. Um, I think the nurse is one of the ones who sounds most stilted and when she's speaking in English. She speaks in Japanese a lot, though, so that helps a little bit but yeah a lot a lot of the and i don't think it's necessarily like that the voice actors for the most part are like struggling to do it or whatever there's at least one like definitely native english speaker in there because steve bloom is is a bit character um but i kind of assume that most of the people that they got who only speak english are native english speakers or used to speaking it but i think it probably has more to do with the voice direction i'm not sure who the voice director is but i would imagine they're japanese and that that just kind of leads to you're you're pushing these actors to talk in a certain way and it's not necessarily natural or you're not able to identify when it doesn't sound as good as it can because you're not used to to how it should sound. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I think, uh, like, I think Lewis overall was, was pretty good. And he had, like, a flow and it more believable. Yeah. David's was... Was fine. Yeah, but I think there it was rough at certain times. Yeah. It, it, feels like, it felt like it should have had more emotion or more of an indication of sternness rather than m- monotonous. Yeah. Saya's was definitely fairly monotone but that also fit the character really well so i i don't really have any complaints with how she sounded when she spoke english yeah and then i was gonna say sharon was like uh one of the girls slash uh monster was like a little too much or a little high pitch but then it's like oh well if she's like a monster i can see her it being interpreted as, as like an over acting or like a really like definitely not a monster okay yeah yeah um, and then, yeah, there's some other more bit characters, and, and generally they sound kind of eh. Yeah. <laughs> um, even Steve Bloom kind of sounds just okay. Um, yeah. Which, like, he's uh, 
he's in a ton of stuff and I know that he can do a great job. So yeah, I, I think that's why I tend towards the direction is, is more of the reason that it ended up this way than the proficiency of the voice actors. Want to talk about animation? Sure. This film uses completely digital animation. Rather than following the tradition of using animation cells, the entire film was inked, colored, and then animated with computers. It seems for the most part as 2D animation, but there's definitely some things where I think they were using CG assets, but they often like put a decent amount of effort into like obscuring them rather than showing them nakedly. Like I think the planes, for instance, uh, that was coming down, I think that was a CG asset, but they had a lot of like uh, fog and smoke and stuff like that that kind of obscured it, which shows that they are more aware of how limited you should use this, especially in the early 2000s compared to, um, let's say, DreamWorks Sinbad Legend of the Seven Seas um, and its use of CG, which doesn't age well and didn't look good when it came out. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think it looks good. For, um, yeah, I said that the CG integration is, is pretty good. Yeah, that, that, I could um, notice it sometimes, but like it wasn't. It wasn't very. It wasn't obnoxious or anything. I would right, say. like the the style of of the the film was allowed for it to be integrated pretty well, and like you said, obscuring the things that would would probably stick out if yeah. you just showed it directly. Um, yeah, it was good. Uh, I feel like David opens his mouth very wide when he's yelling, which he's doing a lot. <laughs> David Didn't yells notice. a lot. He just—it's like always just like ah ah ah, just like full open. And I'm like, all right, David, you do you. Yeah. I really loved. Uh, what's the nurse's name? Um, you're the one that got it written down, I think. Makiho Carolyn Amano. Makiho or Makiho? Makiho. I don't remember. It did. It did show her name tag, but I, I didn't catch it. Uh. I really loved her face after Saya punches that uh, guy in the gut and kicks his head. She's just, yes. she just has this dumbfounded look. Yeah, it's like square, square mouth. Yeah, it was really, it was it got like got a laugh out of us. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was supposed to also. Like her, her face was drawn so exaggeratedly that like that's like the one like moment in the film that's a little bit of a tension relief because you're just able to laugh at it. Agreed. So. I think they use the animation, like, building up scene tension. One of the ones that I really liked was whenever um, the nurse was trailing the blood in the party. And so we're going to hit music, but uh, visuals, like, they extended the... I forget kind of what they did with the music, but it seemed, like, dead-end, I think. Yeah. But with the visuals, it was, like, there was, like, after images... Uh, things were kind of blurred. Yeah, the background around her. Yeah. But but I think because she was focused on the blood and trying to find the girl, and 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 like the building up of that tension, uh, using like they did well with the animation and the sound there. Definitely. Um, what do you think this would have been like if it were live action? And that does exist, but we didn't watch it. Uh, but how do you think that that could turn out? It depends on how they translated some of the questionable things that we will talk about. Yeah, and I'm also, uh, the I think the biggest thing is just how they de decide to interpret the creatures. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you can like easily do 
thriller horror action stuff in live action um i'm just wondering how decent the monsters will look if yeah. they if they look decent enough then i think you could have a perfectly serviceable film just like this is um yeah i think i think a lot depends on that because if the monsters look hokey then it's going to kind of detract it's, if you're going for the same tone this has which is very like dark and brooding and stuff like yeah and i wonder if you could do a not revealing sort of thing like there's certain cuts that hints at what the monster might look like but you don't really see it pull a jaws exactly yeah um and i think you could for the most part here i mean they do the similar things with like lighting whenever they're fighting in the um vehicle like warehouse where the lights get knocked out at some point so things are in like a silhouette or even where you might see it full on when the nurse sees Linda's body in the bed. It, and and even then they kind of did it where you mostly saw the hand. And so yeah. there was a contrast between, oh, it was this frail girl. And now this hand, this arm is really big and this hand is a claw. So that could also be used to circumvent if <laughs> the Definitely. monster, if either the CG that they would make the monster was hokey or some sort of practical like suit or something yeah yeah do you have any specific sound design notes Uh, i thought the music was good yeah um i i enjoyed it um i think when i most noticed it was a scene towards the end involving a plane um and then the credits um but i think it was it was good throughout and suited the the mood and tone of scenes yeah same like i mentioned the scene earlier like this the sound was another piece that made that kind of tension really effective uh, building it up Um, yeah it was good let's go to the part that our podcast is named after how's it hold up um some parts not well i'm uh, not a huge fan of how any black people are treated in this at least any black people with lines of which there are two black men with lines uh one is lewis who I'm not a big fan of how he's kind of demeaned in the opening scene Mm -hmm. um, with her grabbing his face and stuff. And that I could kind of let go because she also does that later to the nurse. And it's just like, okay, this is a very establishing thing for who her character is. But then after she leaves, David like hits him or something like that. And it's like, it feels like he's just being used as a comedic punching bag. And I don't like that. Sure. Because I because I feel like his skin color is a large part of why he's in that role. So not a fan of that. Uh, he appre- appears briefly later in the film too, and and nothing really notable there. Yeah, um, I think he doesn't succeed in what he was told to do. I didn't though. remember what he was exactly what he was doing. I, I know he was in a helicopter. Oh, but... was he? Well, then maybe he did get to her. I'm not sure. Basically, it was like get to the nurse before. I think he did, but we okay. didn't exactly see it. Yeah, so then I don't know what he was supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, the other black character that appears is is some guy who is on the base that the nurse, Makio, that Makio goes to and is trying to convince him that there's terrifying things happening. And he she's kind of she's kind of dragging him along and he's like 
not really wanting to listen or thinking she's being kind of hysterical or something like that. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, it's probably kids. Like, we would, when I was a, a kid, we would scare the teachers we didn't like. Right, right. But I don't know why they wouldn't like, you know, a cute little lady like you. Just yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah, just and- saying stuff. And they, But then one of the monsters grabs him from a tree and like, and then just destroys him. Yeah. Uh, so Gets we have one black guy who's like kind of a weird like butt of jokes and like just used as a punching bag and then one guy who just is one of the main humans that we see murdered on screen. So that's not great. Not a huge fan of that. Mm-hmm. Not a he- There are some sex workers that we see talking earlier in the movie, yeah. which is like fine. I don't really have a problem with that scene. One of the sex workers um, seems to be presenting pretty femme, but has a clearly more masculine voice. Um, and I, I, I was like, okay, this is fine. Like it's whatever. Didn't have a problem with it. Except later, that specific one of the like four sex workers that are talking ends up being one of the evil monsters. Yep. Not a huge fan of that choice. Agreed. Um, that didn't. I don't think we needed that to be. Yeah, pick pick the one who could possibly be read in, as in any way trans, uh, and and make that the person who's evil. Yeah, make cool. them a monster. Not not a fan of that. Um, did you have anything that you wanted to say about Makiho and some of their choices for why she looks like she does? Oh yeah, so this article um, mentions. Let me see. Yeah this this article mentions that uh, Makiho is uh, so. Our, yeah, so Makio Carolina Mono speaks Japanese, is, is probably Japanese, but she works on a U.S. airbase. So they talk about her being uh, what they pull from somebody else, um, stateless or uh, Muko Kusaki, and how her kind of statelessness is also reflected in how she looks because she is also pudgy. And this article says, unlike a, a typical Japanese woman, uh, which is an article, the article saying that it's like, uh, there, there are fat Japanese people, like typical, not, not a great word. And even then, if it were like how Japanese women are typically animated, you know. And awesome. it does very much feel like that is part of the intent in her character design. Yeah. But that, that is part of the intent is, is kind of gross. Like, a, can she just be a, like, pudgy Japanese woman and that not need to, like, be Indicate. part of her othering? Yeah, yeah. Indicates um, that she is, you know, different. And so, yeah, that character design choice they say in this article is is a, is a direct choice to, uh, again, make her a little different and then point at the, again, ambiguity uh, of the relationship uh, between Japan and the U.S. that is represented by the setting being this base and this time period. When is this supposed to take place? Does it say? Yeah. So, so the particular um, pre, I think pre-Vietnam, like okay. right before Vietnam. Yeah. Okay. And that makes sense with a radio broadcast that we hear later. Let me see. Hold on. Yeah. In October 1966, the month in which Blood, the Last Vampire, is set, the General Council of Trade Unions of Japan led a nationwide strike to protest the U.S. bombing of Hanoi. Uh, Well, yeah. October 1966. Yes. Which I don't think is ever explicitly said in the film, but there's definitely cues towards when it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And then 
I guess one other thing to note, which is interesting, it could make it not hold up for some people, but I'm not one of them, is um, the handling of Christianity, uh, which is interesting. At one point, Lewis says Jesus, like as a like, come on, Jesus, or something like that, you know, like, yeah, something like that. Um, And that's what sets Saya off to where she grabs his jaw or whatever. So she has this like immediate reaction to that. And you could kind of be like, is it because he's like doubting that that is uh, a creature and could be a human? Or is it because he said Jesus? Uh, You're not 100% sure then, but the immediacy with which she does it after he says Jesus certainly like leads it towards that direction. But it's pretty much confirmed later in the movie when uh, uh, Mikoho had, Makiho. Makiho has a uh, a cross on her neck that she shows at one point, and Saya sees it and like immediately like rips it off and like tosses it. Well, she starts to pray. Oh you yeah, you can yeah. see the cross on her. Like, That's the true. Whole time. That's true. It's when she starts to pray that mm. she takes the cross and like tosses it and is like, "Stop that!" Yeah, because Saya gives her a gun, but tells her that it won't help her defeat the monsters, but she can use it on herself as a last resort, and that's what kind of triggers Makiho to drop the gun and start praying and and then yeah yeah so so it's interesting the there's a a weird um thing that Saya has with Christianity that she seems to be very un I don't know not even just uncomfortable with but like virulently against oh. and it's not sure like is it just because she's a vampire? Like, yeah. what is it exactly? And yeah, I mean, I would assume it's tied to the vampire thing, but it's never, it's never a thing that's like explicitly explained. Right. Um, so I guess if you care a whole lot about <laughs> depictions of Christianity, maybe that wouldn't hold up. But like, there's a lot of anime with some that just kind of plays around with Christianity. So you know, yeah, and it's a Japan doesn't care as much about being like sacrosanct or anything. And it's a vampire thing. I think it yeah. makes sense for it to come up. I think so, too. Let's go on to our... Spoiler alert! Skip to... 47 minutes and 11 seconds. Um, yeah, so towards the end of the movie, there's a whole long scene in the um like garage or whatever that they get locked in and there's a creature there trying to kill them or whatever um and makiho ends up driving a jeep out to break the door open because the door got blocked by a corpse yeah (laughs) um and and david's been on the outside like trying to shoot in and like help to some degree but he can't really do a lot because he's stuck outside there were two monsters yes he was chasing one yeah he was shooting the uninjured one i think there's one that's inside and then there's one that's up on top which was the one that he was chasing yeah um, but they manage to kill the one inside, and then the one on top sprouts wings and flies away because it's like, oh, gotta get the heck out of this place. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Saya and David, and they leave Makiho behind. She's, I think, she's like unconscious at this point. Yeah, she <laughs> she's been through, through a lot. <laughs> um, they uh, drive off in the jeep to to go get the creature, and they have to like uh, race down a. Um, Air, ru- air, airplane airstrip runway yeah yeah, yeah. um as the thing is like behind a, a plane or whatever and she manages to get close enough to to kill that one too um but then as it's like laying dying she like gets out of the uh jeep and like goes over to it and has this 
this interesting moment mm-hmm. where she's she's kind of looking at it and she's like bleeding on one on one hand because she got injured earlier and she like drops some of the blood onto it not like in its mouth just kind of on it and then it and then it like dies and she has this like I don't know wistful or like there's there's some sort of emotion going yeah, on within her as she watches like, this where she's not like just happy that it's dead. It's the softest face that we have seen her in this. Hundred percent. Otherwise, it's like just all edge and yeah, pointed. And, but no, her eyes are like rounder. Yeah. Uh, wistful seemed like a good word. Yeah, she's she's feeling some sort of way that clearly indicates that like. She does this because she believes she has to, but she clearly doesn't, like, love it. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that she's killing these things. She's not clearly, like, happy that they have to die, necessarily. It's yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. And the... So, yes, they're on an airstrip. The 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 demon was flying kind of right below the wings of the, the ship that was flying. And I'm like, is this a, a very specific airplane that's gonna do something uh and that it was the monster trying to stop it or is this monster the airplane i was thinking maybe it's trying to latch onto it and like have it take it wherever the plane's going yeah yeah i'm not sure i wasn't totally sure because it kept lowering too to try to like get towards the wing or something yeah i'm not entirely sure what its plan was yeah so so then i think there's other Symbolism or symbolism or something there that I'm just not catching. Makio just kind of has to live with this forever, huh? <laughs> yep. She tries to tell people they don't believe her. And apparently the uh, the fight in the nurse nurse's office was all cleaned up. Yeah. Yeah. Just has just have to carry that weight. God. <laughs> um if you have more notes about spoilers, we can talk about it. But I have a few things about sequels and spinoffs I'd like to mention. Uh, this film is very short for a theatrical work, spanning only 45 minutes. Uh, Production IG noted that they deliberately intended for it to be a three-part story, with the rest of Saya's story to be carried through in a light novel trilogy in a two-volume video game. Uh, using a concept from Amoru Oshii, Production IG had Benkyo Tomoko... Tamaoki write a manga sequel to Bloodlust Vampire to continue the story. It brings Saya to the year 2002 with a new generation of handlers and continuing her quest to destroy Chiropterans. It's apparently what they're called. And is appropriately named Blood the Last Vampire 2000. Is it just called 2000? Yeah, I guess maybe that's that's probably helped with your when you were doing your searches. In the manga, David has retired and Saya has a new handler who makes it abundantly clear that he has no respect for her. For her. He sends her to Jingosen Shuritsu Valley High School under the name of Saya Otanashi. There she learns that Chiropterans, yeah, that Chiropterans coexisted with humans until humans began experimenting on them in the 19th century to try to gain immortality. The experiments increased the Chiropterans' killing instinct and removed their former regard for humanity. Scientists in turn developed twin anti-Chiropteran weapons. Maya, a prototype, still required blood and could transform like other Chiropteran. The second, Saya, did not need to drink blood and had no transformation abilities, so she was considered the perfected weapon. Maya searches for Saya, desiring to have Saya eat her so they can become one pure-blood chiropteran. After this meeting, Maya's body cannot be found, but it is never shown if Saya granted her request. Saya kills her handler and walks off into the night. So that's right. 
That's the official manga sequel to this. Um, I guess that's and why then, we're in spoilers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then at some point after this, three Japanese light novel adaptations were released along with a video game. It also spawned a 50-episode anime series set in an alternate universe titled Blood Plus, as well as a second anime series, Blood Sea, also set in another alternate universe. And a live-action adaptation of the film with the same title was released in Japan in May 2009. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this original work that they made in 2000 ended up being popular enough to spawn quite a few other series and other forms of media continuations or inspired by it yeah yeah which is uh that's neat good job guys (laughs) um yeah so there was some more overt christian imagery at the end yes uh you have makiho like musing over her cross the necklace that was broken and uh, while she watches the the warehouse, the vehicle warehouse that was destroyed, um, you have the, like, metal beams and the shapes of crosses as they get, like, d- dug up. And and I, uh, I missed this at the end, but they speak about um, an attack in Vietnam over the radio as the film is ending. And at the end of the credits, I guess they show... During the credits. Oh, during the credits. They show something like turning into the military cross or like oh that's the yeah that's yeah. the end during the credits they have like footage or whatever of soldiers in vietnam but yeah at the end yeah so again the article says this so i can't say like i put this together <laughs> uh that uh the kind of christianity is being uh paralleled with uh american military aggression so there's that stuff too yeah um so yeah, there's 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 stuff here. So this isn't just like some I'm curious how the other adaptations and stuff handle it like if any of them have clearer messages and stuff about some of this or, or what. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That it for spoilers? I think so. All right, no more spoilers. Let's go on to favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? Um uh, probably the second black man being killed. Yeah, I'll go with that too. I, yeah, I guess that whole thing—not just him being killed, but like. Oh yeah, her meeting him and all. Yeah, all the stuff he said. All of it. Yeah, I'll go with that. Um, what was your favorite scene in the movie? And if it's in spoilers, be vague. It's my favorite scene. I guess. Oh, go ahead. Probably the opening. I don't know. The opening worked really well. Yeah, the opening was good. And I think I'll say the the scene that I was talking about uh, earlier with her following the trail of blood Mm. within the party and like the animation uh, and the music all working together to kind of build the tension. Yeah, that was also good. Yeah. Who was your least favorite character? (sighs) The the third demon that's like barely a character. Yeah. No. Yeah. The principal. I don't know. He was kind of not there either. Yeah. It's hard to say. Okay. So what? Who are we choosing from? I feel like Lewis deserved better. Agreed. David Lewis, Saya, Makiho. Are those kind of the the characters that we're considering? I mean, I think so. Um. Ted. Ted. <laughs> If we can say Ted, Ted did suck. Uh, 
I think Ted sucks, but then I also wish Lewis got better. Yeah. Like, got, was treated better within the work. Yeah, I guess Lewis otherwise. Who was your favorite character? Saya or Makiho? I think Saya. Yeah. I think Saya. She was, I mean, yeah, she's cool. She's interesting. And it's especially in in spoilers, kind of that moment that she has very close to the end of the film that kind of adds an extra layer yeah. that I think makes me like curious in her as a character and like interested in potentially seeing more from her. Yeah, agreed. She she wasn't it's it's really easy for films with like strong female characters or whatever like characters that lead can be just kind of more of a blank slate not have a lot there but i think like you said the the thing at the end adds a bit more but even throughout the film her like treating of makiho it could have been really easy to either dismiss makiho more or whatever but there was stuff there where she was like you need to run like she's saying stuff for makiho to like save herself or help her when she could have just ignored her or let her get taken so so there there is more there. I I also like that that she she feels like she's really cool and competent throughout, but also it's not like she's always in the best position. There's a lot of stuff that she keeps having to kind of deal with. Her sword gets broken, she goes and gets another sword and it's bad and she just gets like full on kicked out of the place after after that attempt doesn't happen. She has to like fight with a shovel and is like She's she's struggling, but it never makes it feel like she's not competent. It's like she is. She's just kind of in this dire situation and her weapons keep like not being up to snuff and stuff. It's yeah, I, I like that for her. It, it makes it more interesting than if she's just like totally on top of things throughout like that. She has to like struggle, but like is still managing to do the thing. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I like the so... The the second short she gets, she saw in an antique shop, and it's, like, not for sale with implication that it's, like, this prized thing. But when she uses it and it just crumples, and she's like, ah, it's fake. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's comical, uh, but it wasn't, like, her inference was sound. Like, okay, it doesn't want to be sold. Like, it's probably worth a bit. But then it's yeah. like, ah, Either, like, not knowing or knowing but wanting to look like you have this precious thing. And, yeah, I, li- I like that and and how they add that sort of thing to help give her give her obstacles that aren't necessarily of her own making. Like, of her clumsiness or something like that. Yeah, that are more of her circumstance. Yeah. Given that you just got some English voice actors in here, Tim Curry could have been in this. Where do you think it would have been most fun for him to show up? Principal? Mm, that could have been fun. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. That or just full on taking David. Oh, David would be f- fun as Tim Curry. Possibly. Um, but I, I like the principal. I like that one. Because it's like a bit role, but like he, he gets a, a fair couple of lines. Yeah, and, and so the principal like dismisses Makiho earlier about like the, the teacher or the nurse is concerned about the students. Uh... I guess they lost uh, somebody at the school previously. And she's like, I don't think it's enough time. And he's like, no, this is for them. Like, this is why they need it. And and so, like, I think he could have played that well. 
Definitely. Let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. <sighs> okay. So I suppose I, I would recommend this. There definitely were some flaws with some of the choices. <sighs> and I guess just being aware of those or... Yeah. Being be- aware of the problems is like... Rather than just kind of taking that and internalizing that at face value, like recognizing that the the execution is flawed and that some of its treatment of these characters could and should be better. Yeah, definitely questioning like why is it these characters that have these things done to them is important. So, so I guess uh, obviously not for little kids in that sense and in the sense that it is very bloody and gory and uh, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I guess recommending it to older audiences. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I, it feels like there's there's enough there to like that you can get something out of it. I don't want to just not recommend it. Um, okay, so recommend it to older audiences, animation uh, enthusiasts, all that jazz. Rating. <sighs> yeah, I guess I'll I'll go with a a two point five. Yeah, I'll go with a 2.5. There were some flaws, but it was uh, a very concise uh, film. So I think you can you can get what you need out of it. And it's not a lot of not a lot of time and doesn't feel long or anything like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I recommend it also um, if, if you're into horror thriller action anime. Like, yeah, check it out. It's not... Like a huge time investment. It's not even an hour. Um, so so yeah, if 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 it sounds up your alley, check it out. I'd also give it a two point five. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty good, but it it could use people behind the scenes to kind of be like, why are we making this choice with these characters? Um, to kind of make it better, and also maybe just another pass to kind of. I don't know, make some of its ideas and themes clearer, perhaps. Um, I, I, the, the ambiguity could also be to some people's tastes. So, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I think 2.5. I think it's a decent little thing. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. Next time, we will be watching a movie about a king and something else. <laughs> Sorry. And a llama? Nope. Um... I'm excited to see this movie because it's kind of like The Thief and the Cobbler in terms of its production and how it was troubled and headed by an auteur who had trouble finishing the thing. But unlike that story that did not end in success, this movie was finished eventually. So... I'm curious to see it and see how it holds up. I've I've heard some interesting things. We will see. Okay. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you. And we will see you next time. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. 
The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening! You'd think that I would have less things to edit when it's just you and I, but apparently uh, not so much. (laughs) No, we're more chill. That's true. Um, Okay, umbrella. Ugh, you should have told me where to keep it. I thought you just had it in your head. No, I don't. Got it on lock in your old brain. No, no, no. I don't know why I said little. My itty bitty baby brain. <laughs> oh no. Oh, I'm a little dumb dumb. Oh no. <laughs> baby, no. Joking. Oh dear. <laughs> Watch me put that at the end of the episode. If, if you can hear it, I'm not looking at the mic. <laughs>